following message is by Pastor Peter Cho of Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emmanuel Community Church can be found online at www.emmanuelcommunity.org. It's great to see the sanctuary packed again. It feels like a long time. I want to open with a question. I want to ask you, maybe if if you want to answer, you could just raise your hand, but what is something that you have broken in your life? What is something that you have broken in your life? It could be something in your house. Anyone? A plan? Real loud. I can't hear you. A chair? Okay. All right. Things in your house? I've broken a chair before. You know, about five years ago, I was, helping out, uh, I was helping out in the children's ministry, and I sat on one of those plastic chairs in front of the children, and the chair exploded. It literally broke into, it was like shrapnel. It broke into like a, a hundred pieces, and it was during the middle of children's worship, and all the kids started pointing and laughing at me. It was very, it was very humbling. I've, I've broken ribs in my life. I broke, one time when I was 12 years old, I was racing one of my friends at church across a parking lot. I was running as fast as I could. And we got to the end of the parking lot, and I couldn't stop. And so I slid into this pole, and I just broke my ribs. And has anyone got the wind knocked out of you before? Has anyone got the wind knocked out of you so bad that you start making noises involuntarily? Do you know what I'm talking about? So I hit this pole so hard with my ribs, I started making this noise. I go, and I just remember all my friends were, like, laughing at me because I was making these funny noises, but I couldn't help it. I was, I was in real pain, and I didn't know it was broken, and the next day I went to Great America with some friends, and I was riding these roller coasters, and I was trying to have a good time, but I was, in, I was on these roller coasters, and I was like, oh. So it wasn't fun. Breaking a bone is not fun. Has anyone broken a rib here? Yeah, those are the worst. You can't even put a cast on a rib, right? You would look ridiculous, right? Well, 10 years ago, uh, my body was pretty broken, too. And I went to the hospital because I kept coughing and having a lot of trouble breathing. And they had found a tumor in my chest. And not only that, they found out cancer had spread throughout my whole body. And it was really scary. My kids were only three, six, nine at that time. And um, that was hard. Can you guys think of anything else that can break that you can't actually feel or touch with your hands? What are some things that are that can break. You just call it out. Silence. You can break silence. A heart. Yeah. Have you guys ever felt hurt or betrayed by a friend, someone that you love so much, and that relationship was broken? A broken heart can hurt way more than even a broken rib or bone, right? Well, the Bible tells us that the reason why we are broken and the reason why we live in a broken world is because of sin, right? When Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden with God, nothing was broken, right? Everything was perfect. They lived in perfect harmony with God. They were one with God, and they lived at peace even with one another. But when sin entered into the world, through their disobedience, all of that changed, didn't it? And with the separation from God, all kinds of sin entered into our world. The sin of pride and selfishness that we see in Adam and Eve. The sin of jealousy and anger 
hatred and greed that we see in their own sons, Cain and Abel. Have you, ever, have you guys ever felt those kind of emotions before? Yeah, I think we all feel them, and we're all capable of sinning. And though these were not just Adam and Eve's sin, these were sins that we commit because we share the same sinful nature that they had. So we rebel against God. We want to live in our own way. We want to live apart from God, just like Adam and Eve did. Well, after Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says in Genesis 3, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking through the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from God, the Lord God, among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. One of the marks of being in a broken world is that we feel these feelings of being afraid or being ashamed, like we want to hide. And, um, you know, the Adam and Eve, it wasn't just about not eating this piece of fruit, though that's what they were instructed not to eat. But this fruit was a symbol, you see? It represented Adam and Eve rejecting God's goodness and God's love for them. We learned it in Kingdom Kids, right? Adam and Eve turned their backs against God, and they were saying, uh-uh, I don't want you, I don't need you, God. I'm going to decide for myself what's right and what's wrong. We don't want to live with you. We want to live separately from you. And so after Adam and Eve ate the fruit, God basically gives them their wish, right? He honors the desire of their hearts, and he sends them outside the garden. They want to live separate from God. And it says later in Genesis 3, So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. And though they had once enjoyed this perfect relationship with God, that relationship was broken. And so what was once one became two, right? God and mankind. And after our relationship was broken, everything else became broken too. And from that moment, all of humanity was separated from God. And a curse fell not only upon Adam and Eve, but upon all of creation. And that is our bodies, right? As your parents and as your grandparents get older and older, we see our bodies start to deteriorate. Our relationships, there's lots of broken relationships in this world, isn't there? With one another, and even among nations, right? In our world, just like we prayed about when we think about Ukraine and Russia. All of the brokenness that we see around us and inside of us is because of our broken relationship with the God who made us. But the Bible tells us that God who made us and who knows us also loves us. And even though we rejected him, and his heart has been and will always be to bring us back to him. And so just like Ms. Kim just read, um, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as they were walking in the garden. And what does, G what does the Lord God say when he calls out? He says, where are you? Where are you? Since that very first dark moment in the garden, God is searching for us. He's pursuing after his children. And he wants to make us whole again. Everything that's broken, he wants to make our broken relationship with him whole again. And not only that, he wants to make our bodies whole again. He wants to make our broken hearts whole. 
He wants to make our relationships with one another whole. And he wants to make this entire world that's been broken by war and by disease and by death, he wants to make all of that whole again. And so since the very first day that we rejected our God and separated ourselves from him, God has been on a mission to bring us back to himself so that we can be whole again. Because of us and because of our sin, what was once one, right, became two. And God wants to make it one again. Hey, I uh, recently watched a movie called Encanto. You guys heard of it? How many of you heard it? Give me a thumbs up if you liked it, thumbs down if you didn't, and somewhere in the middle if it was just uh uh-uh. Does anyone remember the name of the family that was represented here? Can you shout it out for me? Yeah, the Madrigal family, that's right. Well, for those of you who didn't watch it, let me just uh, explain a little bit. It opens up with um, a young woman named Alma, also known as Abuela, who is separated from her husband, Pedro. And he was killed after the whole family was trying to escape uh, Colombia as a family. But she was able to protect and save her three little babies uh, through the power of this magic candle that was given to her. And through this candle, Abuela's children and her grandchildren were all given these special powers. Remember that? As long as that candle was burning, they had, were given powers. You guys remember some of the powers that were given to them? We're not going to go through all of it, but how about Louisa? What did she have? Strength. Isabella? Flowers and beauty. And Bruno, what about him? We don't talk about Bruno. Oh, yeah, we don't talk about Bruno. But he was given a secret power to see into the future, right? How about Mirabelle? Nothing. She's the only one that didn't get any gift. How do you think she felt about that? Bad. But on the outside, this family looked pretty perfect, lived in a beautiful house. They each had special gifts that they used to not only serve their family, but they used Everything looked beautiful. But there was one dark secret. Apparently, remember Bruno? He had the gift of seeing into the future. And what did he see? The house was breaking apart. And he tries to tell the family, but no one, and especially Grandma, Grandma Abuela, right, wanted to hear about this. So he was banned and shunned and pushed out into hiding. No one could even talk about him. No one could even say his name. It was a shameful family secret. But Maribel, the granddaughter who didn't have any special powers, begins to see the signs of the house cracking, and she looks for answers why, which leads her to asking questions about this mysterious Uncle Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. What if you didn't understand what he saw? Then you better figure it out, because it was coming for you. We don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. We don't talk about
about Bruno, right? We can sing about Bruno, you just can't talk about him, apparently. Well, I like that song because every family's broken, right? Even the ones that look perfect on the outside. But we don't want to talk about it, right? We don't want to admit it. And Mirabelle sees it, and she tries to warn the family, but she's given the same treatment as Bruno, isn't she? She's ignored, she's ridiculed, She's treated harshly by her grandmother, Abuela. And as the story goes on and on, you begin to see how broken the Madrigal family really is. We see Luisa, right? She's overcome by fear that she's losing her special power of superhuman strength. And the thought of this has her falling apart and she's an emotional wreck. And we have Isabella who feels pressured to be perfect in every way and she's expected to marry the perfect man in town. But she confesses to Mirabel she doesn't want to marry him. And she feels overwhelmed by this burden of everyone's expectations on her. And then we see Mirabel. She struggles with the fact that she has no special gift or power. And she feels like a nobody. And someone's always, she always feels like someone on the outside looking in while each family member and new grandchild celebrates their unique gift. And we find out Bruno, who's banished from the home because of his... Uh, being able to see the future is actually still living secretly inside the home and he wants so desperately to be loved and to be near the family that has rejected him and though everything looks perfect on the outside this is a broken home with broken people trying to find their way out of their brokenness even grandmother abuela right she's over, she's just consumed by her fear about their future and the safety of her children and what they have will be taken from them. But this house is a picture of their brokenness, and it's slowly cracking, and it's falling apart. And I think if we're honest, we can find someone in this movie that we can relate to, right? We feel a sense of worth. We feel like our identity is often wrapped around our special talent or our gift. 
And when we lose those abilities, or when other people surpass us, we discover how broken and empty we feel inside. And for some of us, it could be success in our sports or athletic abilities, or our strength, like Louisa. For others, it may be the way that we look, or the way that people look at us, that affects us most, like Isabella. Or maybe it's our smarts, or our grades, or our unusual knowledge, like Bruno. Or maybe we feel sad because we don't feel like we have any gifts, like Mirabel. Right? All of this not only leads each of them to deal with their own brokenness, but every character. We see the strain of these relationships within the family, where you can't talk about things openly. And you feel jealous for one another's gifts. And you want to push out your own family members out of your life because of the way they make you feel. And that brokenness that's inside of us leads us to brokenness outside of us. And we see it all around us in the world. And that can make us feeling sad. Something is wrong. And God is sad. And God sees the brokenness in this world. Because this isn't the world that he created. This isn't the way it is supposed to be. Something is really wrong. And something needs to be made right. Yeah, these past couple of weeks have been really tough. Um, some of our dear friends who has an eight-year-old boy was diagnosed with an uh, inoperable brain tumor. And the doctors are saying he only has nine months to live. And I can't stop thinking about all the pictures of him playing with his friends and on the baseball field. And just the next day, he's in the hospitals every day. It just seems so unfair and so wrong. And this last week, um, we were hit with another sadness and um, a, a, a woman. You might know her as Jane Marcheski or also the name Nightbird. She was on America's Got Talent, and she won the golden buzzer for writing a song she wrote in the midst of her um, breast cancer. After fighting four years, she just passed away last week. And I just wanted to share this brief video. It was one of her last posts on her um, Instagram page. And uh, let's take a listen. Here's the thing. You don't, just because you're sad or grieving doesn't mean that you're not grateful and it doesn't mean you're not hopeful. It doesn't mean that you still aren't fighting for your life, that you still don't have it in you to keep going. But sadness and grief and mourning and lamenting and crying and screaming and being angry. These are ways that we honor what was lost. These are ways that we communicate to the world that, um, I heard a quote that says, sadness is the soul's way of saying this mattered. And I think grieving and feeling through all the emotions that you feel, the sadness and the grief and the injustice and the anger and, and the loss and the bargaining, I think it's a holy, work and uh it's scary to go down those dark roads but you know what like those feelings don't leave you you gotta <laughs> you have to feel it you can't fake the rest of your life like nothing bad happened and just sing happy whistle a happy tune all day that's not what it is to be human i love what jane shared because um in it she shows it's okay to feel these raw emotions of sadness and grief and even anger um and she said, these are the ways we honor what was lost. It's the soul's way of saying this mattered. 
And when we grieve the brokenness of this world, whether it's because of death or disease or broken relationships, um, even countries being uh, torn apart, we're sharing in God's heart and we're lamenting with God. And this is actually a good thing because when we're sad about how broken this world is, our soul is actually agreeing with God and saying, this is not okay. God knows this is not the world he created it to be, and it's not the way it's supposed to be, and it's not the way it will be forever. Something is really wrong, and it needs to be made right. So what did God do to make this world which is so broken right again? You know, God didn't just look at his children and who rejected him and say, well, that's, that's too bad. You chose that path. Now you're going to have to live in it. No, God gave us his son who steps into the brokenness of this world and who showed us God was going to make all things that are broken whole again. And if you want to know how to bring healing and wholeness into a broken world, then just look at the way that Jesus lived. Look at the way that Jesus died. Look at the story, read the stories about him in the Gospels. Read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. How did Jesus bring God's healing power, his shalom, into this broken world? Well, you can see it, right? He, he healed those with diseases. He healed the blind, the lame. And, but he didn't just stop there. He comforted the brokenhearted, those who were rejected by everyone else, the tax collectors, the Samaritans, the lepers, the women with bad reputations. He, he saw those who had never felt seen. And he gave voice to those who couldn't speak for themselves. And he shared in their sorrows. And he shared in their joys. And he even raised the dead. And he, at the end, he raises himself up from the dead. Why? To show that even death has no power over him. And that the curse that sin had brought into this world was going to be overcome, even reversed, by his power and by his presence. And how would he do this? By giving himself up as a sacrifice for us and for our sins. And it's through his body and through his blood and through his self-giving love that Jesus would bring wholeness and healing into the world. You know, in Luke chapter 22, verse 19, Jesus gives um, the communion and it says, And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And I think it's very intentional that Luke and Matthew, the gospel writers, they actually don't just say, give us an account of what Jesus says. They said that he took the bread, that he gave thanks, and that he broke it. He broke it in their presence. And he said, this is my body. It's broken for you. And do this in remembrance of me. And he was showing them in a very tangible, physical way that engages all of their senses that he was offering up himself to be broken so that we could be made whole again. And so because of this, because of Jesus' sacrifice too, what was one and got separated because of sin can now become one again, right? And this is not just Jesus' mission. This is all of our mission, to bring healing and wholeness into this broken world. 
And this is the mission God gave his son, but now he passes it on to us as his children. That's why uh, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And Jesus is saying, I want you to follow my example. And as my followers, bring my healing, bring my wholeness into this broken world. And that's what it means to bring a, be a peacemaker. It means that we bring God's shalom, his healing, his wholeness into all the broken situations, all the broken people, all the broken relationships we, ha- we see in this world. And we make it whole again by the way that we love others, by the way that we serve others, by the way that we forgive others, by the way that we're generous, by the way that we're just, by the way that we're merciful. And this can happen even with the smallest acts of kindness. Jesus says if someone needs um, a shirt, you just give them your cloak too. Right? If someone wrongs you, you turn the other cheek. All these little things are big things in God's kingdom because it's bringing wholeness into a broken world. And when we make peace, wherever we are on earth, we're bringing heaven into this place. We're bringing God's presence into wherever we are. We're making things that are broken whole again. We're making two become one. And this is our mission. And we are to do this work until Jesus returns and Jesus finishes this work. I'm going to wrap up with a a couple, just uh, a passage in Revelations, and I'll show you one last video clip. In the very end of the last book of the Bible in Revelation, chapter 21, it says this. John, the disciple, writes this prophecy. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. There's a reason why John uses marriage language here, isn't it? When you get married, what happens? Two become one, just like we've been talking about, right? Two become one. And that's the same picture here. And what does he say? And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And so in the very end of the book of the Bible, we see this picture of two becoming one again heaven and earth coming down and being joined together again. What was once separated, God himself is joined together. And that's his promise to us. And if you think about it, this is like the theme of nearly every Disney movie I've ever seen, right? Every fairy tale, almost every great story has this ending where everything is restored back to the original beauty, right? We see this in Disney's Beauty and the Beast. We see this in the Tangled, which we talked about last time. Anyone watch Frozen? Remember when everything that's frozen becomes unfrozen and beautiful again? There's too many to name. Even like Lord of the Rings, right? We see a restoration. And why is this? Because this is the groaning of all of creation. Even those that don't know God know that the world is broken and that it needs to be made whole again. And this is the longing of every heart and soul that someday all that is wrong is going to be made right. All that is broken will be restored back to its original glory. And I want to close with one last video clip. Um, This comes from one of my favorite Disney movies of all time. Uh, 
Lion King. Who likes Lion King here? All right, so it came out when I was in college back in the 90s, but it came, there was a new version that came out 2019, just a, a couple years ago. And I think this may be the best ending of any Disney movie ever made because it reminds me so much of what the restoration of heaven and earth is going to look like under the rule of Jesus, the King of Kings. And it, it shows a, a picture of a coming day when all that is wrong will be made right again. And we will live in perfect peace and perfect harmony under the perfect rule of the great Lion of Judah. So let's watch this. Greatest ending to a movie ever. Let me close with the ending of the, the book of the Bible. Revelation 22 says this, Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are what? For the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. And they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever. You know, the Lion King ends with this song, The Circle of Life. And I don't know if it was intentional or not, but that Disney story follows the same theme of the Bible. There's a circle of life. And it's centered around this tree of life in the Garden of Eden. And what was lost in the Garden of Eden by Adam and Eve, we're told in the last chapters of the Bible in Revelation, will one day be restored again. And what begins in a garden, when one becomes separated into two because of sin, is restored from two back to one, heaven and earth again, because of the sun. And this is the good news of the gospel, that the upside-down kingdom will make the world right-side up again when Jesus returns and he assumes his rule over all of his creation. And all who trust in God and who follow his rule will one day be restored in his kingdom to reign with him, where the curse will be lifted and all that is wrong will be made right. I'm looking forward to that. Is anyone else looking forward to that? That's going to be so awesome, and I can't wait to see it. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful that you have not left us alone, even though we rejected you, even though we chose to go our own way and we wanted to be separate from you. From that first moment in the Garden of the Eden, you have been pursuing us. Where are you? Because you love us. And when one became two, since that very day, you have been working to make two one again.
because you see all the brokenness in this world, all the pain and the hurt, all the death and the disease. You see how your children are hurting each other. And it makes you sad. And you did something about it. You, you sent your son. And when he was here, he, he showed us how to live, how to love. He saw how broken we were and his heart was to make us whole again. And that was the mission you gave your son. And that's the mission you give to your children now. And you bless those who are peacemakers. And through these peacemakers, you're going to bless the world. Help us, Lord, to to make peace, to bring your shalom, to make whole everything that is broken around us through the ways that we love you and love one another. Make what's been divided into two, one again. And we know we can't do it on our own strength. We need your spirit to help us. And we know that one day you're going to come back, you're going to return, and you're going to finish the work that you began and that you've commissioned to us. And everything that is wrong is going to be made right. All the tears will be wiped away. All the sadness will be gone. Because you made two one again. So give us the faith to be faithful until your return. Help us to forgive those who've wronged us. Help us to be generous with everything you have given us. Help us to love as you loved. Even die as you died, forgiving your enemies. We look to you. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray.